If the Valley cheers like this for KD at his introductory press conference. Number 35 for the Phoenix Suns, Kevin Durant. Imagine how Footprint Center will sound tonight as Kevin Durant makes his debut. Everywhere I've been so far, fans have been um, you know, giving me a warm welcome, but I still feel like i got to prove myself every day. Burns and Gambo talk KD's first home game with the Suns now. Yeah, look, earlier... We kind of, the matchup itself, Oklahoma City, not very good. Two of their best players didn't even make the trip to Phoenix. They're on the second night of a back to back. So the, the, the matchup might not be the one we'd all be looking for, but make no mistake, if you've got a ticket to tonight's game, there's going to be some real, live, legit, palpable energy in that building, right? Like it's because yes. it's going to be, there were 3,000 people there for Kevin Durant's introductory press conference. There's going to be 17,000, 18,000 there tonight. That place is going to be supercharged. It, they, Suns might end up winning by 35 when it's all said and done. But that building will, the lid is going to blow off that place. Yeah, like I said, I mean, it's it's the chance to welcome a guy to the team. One of the greatest players ever. It's a chance to welcome him. You know, that's what you have. It's not a, schedule-wise, it's not a great game. It's a, it might be a boring game. I mean, the first game was a boring game. The second game was kind of boring. The Dallas game meant something. The Sacramento game will mean something. The Milwaukee game will mean something. The Denver game will mean something. The Clippers, there's a lot of games that will have meaning. This one doesn't have much meaning. You play in a team they're not playing two of their best players um, off a of back-to-back. But it's a chance to welcome Kevin Durant. We always say, you, you you know, a lot of fans never got a chance to say goodbye to Larry Fitzgerald. Sometimes you don't have a chance to say goodbye to a guy. You don't know he's leaving. You always have a chance to welcome a guy. This is the Suns' opportunity to welcome Kevin Durant. The fans will take advantage of yeah, it. Yeah, and I know the comp has been made so many times. It, it just it reminds me so much of Charles Barkley because it, it's just you're, you're welcoming a player who's specifically here to help you win a championship. Who's here to increase your championship odds? You weren't at that game, right? Barkley's, you know what? Debut. I was a senior in college, and I don't remember if I got a credential for that game or not. Because I was, I was getting, I was at the NAU TV station. I was the sports director, and I was getting credentials for Suns games, and I would drive down like once wow, or I think twice you would a remember month. Remember that? If it was, I can't remember if I. I was wonder there. how many people will be able to say I went to both. Barkley's first game, Durant's first game. Uh, not many. I mean, it's it. it Al less McCoy than hundred. Will, will say that. Yeah, less than hundred. Less than hundred. I think would be able to say that. Yeah, less than fifty. No, somewhere between fifty and hundred. That's just a guess. I don't know, but I. I you're right, Man, fans. You're right. I okay. If you're not talking media, if you're just talking fans, fans. then I would say. Well, media. You've had to be covering covering sports in this town for thirty five years. Yeah, well, to have been in there. Yeah. Right, I mean, you're talking thirty something year. What was the what was his debut? Ninety two, ninety two, ninety three was the first season. And like I say, I was only so covering that's thirty it. years. Yeah, I was thirty only, years. I was only covering it because as the sports director, they, they they would give us credentials and we would bring a camera crew down here and we were we we would cover the games for the campus TV station. So I was lucky enough to cover a few of Barkley's first games as a member. It, it's not going to be a very high number at all. Now Durant, he makes his debut tonight, and he's. We, we talked about this earlier. His fit has been seamless. It, it's been. It's amazing to hear the Suns talk about the work that still needs to be done, as if it hasn't been perfect, as as if it hasn't been great, as if it's still a work in progress. I like that attitude, and it is. If we're nitpicking about things, right? It still is a work in <laughs> progress. But man, on the surface, it looks like it has been perfect for Kevin Durant. 
I mean, I don't know that that it could, could have started out any better. I really don't know that it could have been any better. The way that him and Book have clicked together, the way he's been efficient, uh, just what he's done, how how well the offense has played. Yeah, it's anything that you hear from Monty. We got to do. It's just it is. It's nitpicking. It's almost like hey, this is so perfect, but you know, it's it's nitpicking because it has worked really, really well. It's been basically flawless. Now. There will be some bumps in the road when you play better teams and you get challenged and you realize, okay, we might have to make some adjustments. Right now, you really haven't had to make a lot of adjustments. You, put, you roll the ball out and you let these guys play and they've done a good job. And, you know, we talked about a Koji, a Kogi not hitting any shit. That doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. When you've got that level of scoring, when it matters, Kogi's not going to be taking shots, you know, uh, for the most part, because you've got Durant and you've got Booker and you've got Chris and, you know, DeAndre will clean up a little bit. But it has been very flawless so far. I, I, look, and here's the thing. For as much as we want to talk about the Akogis or the or the issues or whatever, and I'm not saying those guys don't matter, but you and I both know this, and Brian Windhorst was talking about this this morning too with Bickley Murata. When the playoffs start, it's going to go from a nine and a half man rotation to about an eight man rotation, right? Like yeah, the, Durant doesn't come off the floor. The, the starters are going to play massive, massive minutes when we come to the playoff time, and so any flaws of a Josh Akogi or an Ish Wainwright or a Terrence Ross become really. I mean, they're necessary. Those guys are going to play. A role in the playoffs, but understand Devin Booker's going to play 43 minutes a game. Kevin Durant's going to play 44, 45 minutes a game. They're never going to come off the floor, right? So, it, don't get too wound up in the bench guys and their performance. It matters. Chris, Chris isn't going to play that high a minute. No, he won't. It, it matters more now than it will later. It will still matter later, but it matters more now because those guys are getting more playing time right now. Yeah, and, and listen, I mean, you, you got to you got to play with five guys at all times. And, you know, maybe a, a role player can help you here or there. And they, 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 there's responsibilities that those guys will have. I mean, if a Kogi could play great defense, it's we always talk about the offensive end. You don't need the scoring. You don't need the scoring. But, you know, you will look to those guys to play a little bit of defense. You'll look to a Kogi to be, you know, an on-the-ball defender. Um, and if, you know, if, if Landell comes in, he was exposed a little bit. Dallas went right at him, and then they put Durant at center. But whoever those guys are that are coming in and playing a little bit, yeah, you may ask them to knock down a couple of shots, take some of the pressure off everybody, but main thing for them, those guys are going to have to really work hard on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, Doug Haller today on the Athletic website, a story about Kevin Durant, how Kevin Durant has figured out fitting in with the Suns while playing at a star level. Goes through the numbers, which are incredible. They're eye-popping. I think the number one point he makes is the thing that's been the most obvious to everybody, and that's been Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. And, and it, I, I, I think you can think back to the Tokyo Olympics two summers ago when those guys played so well together and so well off each other as kind of planting the seeds for this. Here's Brian Windhorst this morning on Bickley and Murata talking about the connection between those two. There's really a spirit between the two of them that is unmistakable. I mean, I saw it when I was uh, here for their first practices. I saw it last week in Charlotte. There's a there's a very uh, strong connection between the two of them dedicated to making it work, and that's really important. The rest of what you want to talk about with the Suns are ancillary issues. What you really need is the two of them to be invested in each other's success and that is plain as day if you're going to ask me the question why is this work so well so fast that's going to be my number one answer because it's kd and it's book and those two guys they just gelled. get it they Look, just get it take it a step further i mean i i think that devin booker playing with kevin durant and this would be more for next season not this season because book he's a legitimate mvp candidate playing with kevin durant 
because he's going to get so many. Booker's three games, 37, 35, and 36. That's MVP-like, okay? Oh, yeah. I mean, with Kevin Durant on the team, if those guys stay healthy next year, Devin Booker is a legitimate MVP candidate playing with Durant. These numbers are eye-popping. I mean, he's he's made 42 out of 75 from the field, 10 out of 20 from three. So he's been great. Durant has been ridiculous, right? And then the Suns overall have been great. Durant has been just fantastic. He's made 29 out of 42 shots. How more? How can you be more efficient than that? It's pretty hard. 7 out of 13 from 3. That's better than 50%. 15 out of 17 from the free throw line. And they say he's still trying to grasp the offense. Come on. Yeah. Well, I, I think when Monty is talking about this, he's talking less about Durant. And he's talking about more about the other guys, right? Like How to he, play with Durant. How to play with Durant. Aiton and Paul and Akogi and Ish and finding the right rotations and the right matchups and who's going to play who's going to not when when this number from Doug Haller when the Suns have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker on the floor together at the same time they're outscoring opponents by 46 now I, and I don't even think those two guys have been on the floor a ton together I, I mean they've been on the floor enough together but they're also we see it a lot of pockets where just one of them is on the floor right there's always going to be one of them on the floor but in those moments when they're both on the floor they're outscoring opponents by 46 points in what's probably Probably, I would guess, 25 minutes of action, 30 minutes of action. Just a guess. It's probably not much more than that. It's been dominant when those two guys are out there together. Yeah. And, and and in the playoffs, one of those guys will be on the court at every second of just about every game. Oh, yeah. Unless it's blowout. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, ahead of the big game tonight, DeAndre Hopkins, very aware his name is in trade rumors. How's he handling the noise? You'll hear what the wide receiver had to say next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We talked about it yesterday, and I think the same still applies. If something's going to happen with DeAndre Hopkins, it certainly feels like it could happen literally any day now. Any, I don't want to say any minute now because I don't want to be like overly dramatic. But I, like any day, something could happen with DeAndre Hopkins because the league year free agency starts Wednesday of next week. Legal tampering begins on Monday of next week. A lot of times, the legal tampering period is when these deals get done. They just don't get finalized until Wednesday. So next week is going to be just a hotbed of NFL free agency action. Guys moving, guys leaving, guys coming. And I would think any team that has designs on adding DeAndre Hopkins would want to do it now. You know, so they know what the cap hit's going to be. They know what their roster's going to look like. They know what they need to go shopping for. I got to think because of that, if DeAndre Hopkins get moved, Gambo, it feels like it could be any day now, really. Yeah, I think we're all kind of bracing for that. I mean, that, that he's going to get traded. He addressed the rumors, said, I don't look at the future. I got it. Can I play it here yeah, for play you? Yeah, go ahead. This is DeAndre Hopkins on the Pat McAfee show today. D-Hop talking about his future with the Cardinals. I feel great, man. I feel great. I feel amazing mentally. I feel good. Uh, obviously, you know, I've been hearing a lot of trade talks, but, you know, I, I take things day for day, man. I don't look forward to the future. I live in the present moment. And right now, the Arizona Cardinals is, uh, you know, is the team and the roster that I'm on, and uh, you know, I'm preparing myself uh, for whatever the future holds. Uh, you know, so I don't really look forward to the future. I let you guys do that talk. 
Uh, hasn't been over a thousand yards receiving since 2020. Missed 15 games over the past two years. Going to be 31 years old. You're not going to get. A, I don't think you get a first round pick for him. You know, I don't think you get that. Um, I think you'd probably get the second round pick. Is what we've been talking about. And you know what? That's I'll take it. Like I'll say, second round pick's a good pick. You know, you got a new guy making the draft picks, and you're hoping he can nail a couple of these. So I think that you know, moving on from a, an older player for is as good as he is. Like moving on from him for you know for a younger player that might be able to help you over over a longer period. Of time is the right decision. Yeah, he uh, went so far as to make a change. He hired an agent for this. Obviously, last year I didn't have an agent. The year before I didn't have an agent when I did the contract in Arizona. And to answer your question, you know, I went out and hired, um, you know, my lawyer who's an agent to represent me, who's going to help me not get the short end of the stick, yes, as you say. Mm. Okay, please. make sure I don't get the short end of the stick. Well, okay, because here's the deal: he gets moved, and he's gonna. You're gonna have to restructure the contract anyway, whether he stays or whether he goes. You're gonna have to redo the deal because the cap hits like thirty one million dollars right, this year, right. right? So even if he goes somewhere, gets traded somewhere, the team that's trading for him is gonna have to redo the contract, and Diop's gonna want the contract to be redone because there's no guaranteed money left on it. So he's gonna want to move some things around a little bit. But interesting that he's higher, and I would imagine this agent. I wouldn't be surprised at all, and I'm not reporting this, but I just I know how these things go. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Cardinals gave DeAndre Hopkins agent, hey, go find a trade. Sure. Go shop yourself. Come back to us with two, three, four, five different yeah, options, yeah. and let's see what we can do for well, you. The right? reason he hires an agent because I'm sure he's going to demand a new contract if he, to, you know, to, in any trade, he's going to he's got to kind of demand that. Now he doesn't have to approve the deal. Some people saying he has to approve the deal. You know, I I had reported it, and other people had followed up that I he voided the clause in his contract when he got suspended. So I don't believe there is a no trade anymore or, or even a limited trade. But you would expect with those cap numbers, $27.7 million of cap space is being held. He's got a salary cap hit of almost $20 million this year and then almost and then $15 million next year. You would imagine somebody's going to want to redo that deal, kick some of that money down the road, restructure it, and he could add on another year. He could add on some guaranteed money, so it's a win for both parties. I but can, you're also going to be getting to a point where you're paying the, you know, you're going to be paying the guy when he's 34, 35 years old if you do that. I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize for there that. I, I'm still, the last time we talked about this, like really talked about this a week ago, I was really surprised by the number of listeners that we had who thought we were nuts for wanting to trade DeAndre Hopkins. Like, I, I, there's, I'm still very surprised by how polarizing this topic is for some Cardinals fans who think that DeAndre Hopkins should be kept at all costs no matter what. I think that's crazy. I, it's I, because he's a great player. He's still one of the best receivers in the league. So you give it like you're going to trade one of the best players in the league for a second round pick. You don't know if the guy's going to be any good or not. You may help a team win a Super Bowl. I mean, isn't aren't like you know there are guys like Stephen A. Smith pining for him to go to the Cowboys? Stephen A. Smith and Keyshawn Johnson this morning on Get Up, they were they're like he's the guy that might make us pick the Cowboys to right. go to the Super you Bowl may, if they go get him for a second round pick. You may help a team win a Super Bowl, but you know that's the but that's because of where you are. You're not a good football team. You got a long way to go. You know, DeAndre Hopkins isn't going to help well, you. You got no no Murray for the first however many games. You're not compa- you're not going to be comp- you're rebuilding right now if you're Ronnie yeah. Austin. Ford. And that's why I, I guess I don't think some of those folks understand. I, that's where our point is coming from. It's not that we don't like DeAndre Hopkins. It's not that we don't think he's a great player. We're just looking at the situation for the Cardinals, and I think we're being realists about it. They're they're a, a long ways off from contending in 2023. They would have to do an awful lot 
to put themselves in a position to be a contender in 2023. And that includes getting their starting quarterback, Kyler Murray, back with only missing three games, four games, and hoping he's back for the rest of the season. It's the not knowing and it's the not thinking the Cardinals are going to be very good this year. That's what's driving me to want them to trade DeAndre Hopkins. Not because I don't like Hop and not because I don't think he's a great player. I think it's where they are. It's the situation. It's where they are. It's where they are. Yeah. I don't if think this, this was going to be a five, good year. If this was a 500 football team with a lot of good players coming back, you're like, hold on to them. Got a chance to make the playoffs next year. You know, you hold on to them. But you're a team that, I mean, listen, there's going to be a lot of te- there's a lot of teams that didn't. There's some teams last year that didn't make the playoffs that are going to make it next year. The Cardinals aren't one of those teams. Okay, every year there's teams that didn't make the playoffs that make it the next year. Arizona will not be one of those teams. Yeah. Free agency, as I mentioned, is next week. A couple other things to keep an eye on. A bunch of stories, and expect to see more about this. NFL free agency from ESPN.com. One player every team must sign. They listed James Bradbury, the cornerback from Philly, as the player that the Cardinals must sign. Obviously, connections with Jonathan Gannon. Yeah, because he was fantastic. Like, he still played at an extremely high level. So it makes a lot of sense, you know, for Bradbury. I mean, his, his numbers were just... Fantastic. So I understand why everybody's looking at Bradbury and say, you got the connection, obviously, you know, with Monty. But for an older guy, and he's, he is a kind of an older guy, for an older guy, he's had a, had a really good season last year. He was a, she was a shutdown cornerback. Best and actually, no, I'm going to start with it. I'm going to go with this one. NFL free agency, seven underrated names to watch when free agency starts. They've got Byron Murphy on the list. I love it. I mean, you know, I'm a Murph fan. I mean, I think he was injured, and he could play inside. He could play. He could play slot corner. He could play outside. I think he's a good value pick, and I think that's what they're kind of saying is like, you know, somebody may be getting him by low. You might buy low on him, but he's a good football player because he missed some games and he was injured. Uh, but he's a younger player that's you know been a number one corner in, on this team and could play number one or number two for you. Probably best suited to be a number two cornerback on any team. But I think that that I, I think that they should try to keep Murphy. I think he's a good player. And then finally, NFL free agency. Best and worst signings for every team yeah, since 2018. You don't like the best one, huh? Uh, well, no. I, I liked him then because you paid him like $3 million. James Conner. Right. I don't like re-signing James Conner, but signing James Conner, I loved it because you got him for a song. The worst signing? Sam Bradford. Yeah. $15 million guaranteed to be the Cardinals bridge quarterback. For nothing. For nothing. For nothing. You got Nothing out of Sam Bradford. I think he wakes up every day and it's like, I can't believe the Cardinals gave me $15 million as a parting gift. I think Sam Bradford wakes up every day and goes, can you believe how much money I made in the NFL and I was no good? (laughs) (laughs) I think Sam Bradford wakes up every day. I was no good and I made $60 million, $70 million. He was good in college, but he was always hurt. He was always hurt. But that last parting gift from the Cardinals, man, that $15 million, he's got to be looking at that like, wow. From the FanDuel text line, you're bumming me out, Gambo. I need hope for the Cardinals. Why? I don't know. I don't know who said it. You're bumming me out, Gambo. I need hope for the Cardinals. What do we hope? You, you, hope in 2025? <laughs> you want hope? Text us your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. His superstar acquisition is making his home debut tonight. Is James Jones as excited as the rest of us? Suns president of basketball option GM joins us next only here on Arizona Sports. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. State of the Suns, driven by Sonic Drive-In. Mmm, Sonic. Prince and Gambo take you inside the Suns front office and talk with a key decision maker. 
time. James Jones for his weekly visit here on the Burns and Gambo Show. It's always a pleasure to have on the president of basketball operations and the general manager of the Suns. And he joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. James, good afternoon. How are you doing today? I'm good. Good afternoon, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you got a lot of reasons to be happy right now. Three games with Kevin Durant, three victories, and that game on Sunday against Dallas, that that was a lot of fun. In, in watching how adaptable Kevin Durant is, that's the word we always use. Why do you think it why do you think it is that he's fit in so flawlessly so far? I mean, because he's one of the best players to ever play the game. And it's it's really uh it's it's easy to play with him. Um, he, he can do everything. Um, he makes the game easier for his teammates. Um, and he does what, what you want basketball players to do. Um, he puts the ball in the basket at a very high level. And, and so for his teammates, it gives them uh, a great margin for error uh, because even if things aren't hitting right, he's able to make up the difference. What's more difficult? Is it more difficult for Kevin to adjust to a whole bunch of new players? Or is it more difficult for those players to adjust to playing with Kevin? Um, I, I think it's, you know, it's probably the players adjusting to Kevin um, because he has the ability to adjust. Um, like like we talked about earlier uh, this week, um, he makes the right play. Um, and so there, there are moments on the court where he's the primary option and, you know, he's looking to, to drive the offense. And then there are moments where he just blends in and he's just a player making the right play. Um, for guys who haven't uh, played off a guy like him, them trying to fig- figure out how to pick their spots and, and how to get out of his way, that's usually the challenge. But but he does a great job of communicating with those guys to tell them exactly what he's looking at and what he's looking for. And there's trust, too, right? Like he's almost like instantaneously shown that he's got trust in guys that he's never played with before. When he's going to make the right play, he expects those guys to make the right play along with him, right? Well, he's been doing that his entire career. Um, you know, back in OKC, um, in Golden State, um, Brooklyn. And now here, uh, he's had plenty of teammates and, and plenty of teammates that are, are different levels of capacity. Um, he's had superstar, all-star teammates. He's had, you know, two-way teammates. And, and so he's always found a way to make those guys better. So he's re- extremely comfortable playing with any type of player. It's usually just an adjustment for, for guys because they, they sometimes find out how, how wide open they can be when they're playing with Kevin. You are obviously watching these games with a much more critical eye than most. From your perspective, what can be tightened up? What can be improved on? What would you like to see your guys do better in the games moving forward after what you've seen for the first three? Well, well everything. I think um, there, there are a lot of there's a lot of room for growth. Offensive rebounding uh, has been an issue in some games. Um, you know, shot selection. You know, the, the balance between shooting threes and driving to the basket. Um, defensive rotations, you know, being being a little bit late, and guys, you know, going under on screens or, or not picking up guys at, at the three point line uh, at, at, at the proper time. Uh, there are a lot of things in all facets of the game where we can improve, but I think it just gives us a greater margin for error when we're able to play uh, on the offensive end at a very high clip. I saw when, when when Landale was in the game, it seemed like Dallas was able to get some easy buckets, and I think Monty then went to KD at the five. And we know he can play some center, but how often do you think you'll use that, and how much of a, of a weapon can that be if he plays some center for you at times? Um, I, I think it's, it gives us an advantage. I, I don't know. Coach would be best to tell you how often we'll use it and when we use it. I think so much of what we do with Kevin is matchup dependent. Um, I, I don't expect you'll see him playing the five if Jokic is there or Embiid. Um, but when you're talking about teams playing their power forwards um, or like a Christian Wood at center, 
it makes sense. KD's the same size as those guys, and, and he had the length and, and athleticism uh, to protect the paint. Last year in the playoffs, they the, the Mavs, they trapped Book a lot because they were willing to leave Jay open or Mikhail or even Chris. They didn't trap when Cam Johnson was on the floor because he's, he's a good catch-and-shoot guy. In watching this game, I was really watching to see how often they would trap Book, and they just really didn't. Now, they did. You know, KD in the second half when he got it in the post and on the elbow, they doubled. But I was it was it was interesting to see how they were going to play Book, and they, they definitely did not trap the way they did last year in the playoffs. I imagine that's all because KD... KD's on the court. I think that has something to do with it. Um, I, I would assume that's that's part of the thinking. Uh, but additionally, this is also the regular season, and a, a lot of times teams don't they don't go to you know their they don't get to their playoff game plan this early in the year. Um, but I do know that having Kevin on the floor, um, his ability to score, his ability uh, to take advantage of of the defense, putting two to the ball against Devin makes it tough on the backside to guard KD. And, and 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 send an extra defender his way. So um, that balance, having those two guys on opposite sides of the floor, definitely makes it easier for those guys to, to be great. James Jones, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. I want to ask you about Chris Paul. You guys have been preparing for this moment, it seems like all season long, playing him off the ball a little bit more, having him be more of a catch-and-shoot guard as opposed to having the ball in his hands all the time. Do you feel like that strategy throughout the season is really paying off now with the way you've restructured this roster with KD? It does. I mean, it, it is. Um, we, we we know that um, if the ball, even even without KD, if the ball is in Devin's hands, um, if it, it's going to find its way to Chris. And and depending on how teams are playing him, he's going to have to be willing and able to make shots, and he can. Um, but now I think he's just free to to think about scoring. Um, he doesn't have to set guys up. You know, the the advanced pass doesn't have to be a trigger pass that creates an advantage for guys who maybe can't create for themselves. He's the beneficiary of a, a lot of advantage plays right now, and he's making the most of it. When you were on with us last week, you said that DeAndre Ayton, that you, you guys throw a lot at him. You've you've made him change things and, and asked him to change things, and his role is constantly shifting. Three games in, how do you think he's done with KD on the floor with him, and how do you think his teammates have done with Ayton while KD's on the floor in terms of him being involved? I think DA's been, been great. Um, you know, you can look at the production um, over that stretch, and, and you can see that he's been impactful. If you watch the individual games, it's not the same way every game. You know, some games, a couple games, we're asking him to be an offensive threat in the, in the middle, and then teams take that away, and we're asking him to be patient and, you know, get, get his points off the offensive glass uh, to, to rebound the ball to make sure we don't get second, they don't get second-chance points. Now we're just asking him to do uh, a lot of things, and he's he's been he's been great, man. He's fighting through uh, bumps and bruises. You know, he's fighting through double teams and collisions, and uh, he's helping us win games. And so he'll continue to do that, uh, just because I know uh, as, as he's gotten older and matured, he's really starting to understand that we need him to be an impactful player in different ways. Uh, uh, I, I want to ask you about this before I ask you my last question. Being a guy that played college basketball at Miami, played in the Big East, it was just announced a short time ago, Jim Beheim out after 47 seasons at Syracuse. I grew up in an era with John Thompson and Roly Massimino and Louis Carnesecca and P.J. Carlissa. There was so many great coaches in the Big East. Beheim, one of them. You competed against him. What do you remember about being a player and going up against Beheim teams? Man, it, it was tough. You know, he's he's one of those those great coaches that you never 
right? So good. They've been in basketball and success for so long. They just become a part of the the institution. Um, but you know, it was it was exciting because you wanted to beat his teams, uh, but you really wanted to beat him um, <laughs> because the, the names and the, the names on the jersey and the players changed every year. But Bayheim was there, and so if you were there when I was there uh, for four years uh, at Miami, I wanted to beat Syracuse, and uh, I think we might have done it once. Uh, accomplished and. You know, he has an accomplished career, and there's nothing but respect for Coach Bayon. And that matchup zone, right? I mean, that matchup zone kept him in almost every single game. No, it was. You know, and, and he stuck with it, and uh, he found a way to, 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 to make it work in, a, in an era, um, especially now where everything's man-to-man, where, where people say it can't work. He had tremendous success doing it. All right, I do want to ask you last one basketball-wise. A week ago, two weeks ago, I would not have thought that getting to the two-seed was possible. So we talked a lot about you've got a bunch of back-to-backs. Maybe you give guys a day off here or there, and you don't need to chase it. But all of a sudden, with the Clark injury and what's going on with Ja, uh, all of a sudden it's obtainable. I mean, you guys win tonight. You're only two games out of the two-seed. Is it something that you guys are chasing right now or no? Uh, we're chasing wins, but not, you know, not, not seeding, right? Like, you know, we, we won't change, you know, we're not going to put extra emphasis and say, okay, well, Hey guys, guess what? Now we're going to play every single game. Uh, we're just going to play it regardless of the situation because we're looking for the two seed. No, that's not how we're looking at it. We're looking at it. Like we, as long as we continue to win games in the right manner, we'll give ourselves a shot to get the best seed we can and, and whatever seed we get, as long as it's not the play-in game, we'll be playing on opening weekend. Yeah, good stuff, James. We appreciate the time, as always. Best of luck tonight against the Thunder. We'll talk to you next week, okay? All right, thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks, James. James Jones joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. By the way, since the topic came up about John Morant, it was just announced he's going to remain away from the Grizzlies for at least the next four games. Those four games, Golden State, Dallas, at Dallas, at Miami. I don't know if Memphis is going to win any of those. Wow. Golden State, Dallas, at Dallas, at Miami. Okay. Those are the next four games. We know John Moran so will not away. play. Yep. So he's, he's probably taking care of something, whatever yep. that may be. He's probably taking care of something if it's being announced that he's going to miss those games. Yep. And while we're at it, the Pelicans say Zion Williamson remains out, and his next medical examination will be in about two weeks. I just can't be healthy. <laughs> you just keep gave him a max deal too, didn't they? Can't stay. Yeah, they did. Uh, the weather's getting warmer. Arizona Sports and Fulton Homes are reminding you two seconds is too long to take your eyes off kids around water. For life saving water safety tips and to enter to win swim lessons from the YMCA, text swim to 620-620. Why are teams so willing to say they don't want Lamar Jackson? Why are they? We'll tell you next from Burns and Gambo. And Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
sorry, spirited conversation with the boss during the commercial break. My Lamar Jackson. Yes. Yeah, and JJ Watts, right? How's this guy not have a? How, how are these teams not interested in, in Lamar? And why are they coming out and saying they're not interested? Yeah, that's that is the big thing that everyone's taking issue with. And here's the the JJ Watt tweet from yesterday. Mm-hmm. Why are all these teams so publicly out on Lamar Jackson, an MVP winner in his prime at the most important position in the entire NFL? What am I missing here? Says JJ. The teams that have through national reporters have leaked the information that they're not pursuing a deal for Lamar Jackson. The Falcons, the Dolphins, the Panthers, the Commanders, the Raiders. Like, the Commanders don't want Lamar Jackson? I I mean, the Raiders wouldn't want Lamar Jackson? Atlanta wouldn't want Lamar Jackson? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Here's Ryan Clark yesterday. He went out and said it. The C word. If you believe that all these teams and executives and owners aren't upset with the deal that Deshaun Watson got in Cleveland, then you've absolutely lost your mind. And when Adam says that the team or that Baltimore has an idea of what the market can be, we know the combine is less about those dudes on the field and more about the conversations going on between between traders and between free agents and having those conversations. And if you don't think that collusion is a part of this league and the league understands that we don't want to continue giving these guaranteed deals out, then you're absolutely out of your mind. And that's why everybody and thinks listen, Lamar Jackson's not getting a sniff from some of listen, these teams. You're right when you, you, you're like, prove, you got to prove it. You like can't, You can't prove it. That's going to be hard, but like, okay, here's how you prove it. Your team sucks and Lamar Jackson is an MVP candidate who's young. Like I mean, it doesn't make a whole lot. The Falcons, like you don't you don't want them. The Panthers, like you don't want the Washington Commanders. You're not interested in Lamar Jackson. It's not like the guy's a he's 38 years old and he's on his last leg. I mean, this guy, the guy won the MVP. He's 26 years old. He's a franchise quarterback. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I, re- I responded to J.J. Watt on Twitter. I said, makes no sense. Such a dynamic player. Could be injury history and potential for injury. Or he wants fully guaranteed contract. Shocking that five teams without good quarterback play would have no interest. It's mind-boggling. Yeah. How does all of these help? Nope, Lamar Jackson, nope, don't want him, don't want him, don't want him. Who do you want? You want Derek Carr? Yeah. But that being said, I'll just be honest with you. If I were an owner of an NFL team, I wouldn't want to give out a fully guaranteed contract either. Now, does that mean I'm colluding? It only means if I'm colluding, if I call you, a fellow owner in the NFL, and say, hey, you don't do it, I won't do it. Let's make a pinky promise. I won't give it to him if you don't give it to him. And then let's go call Mitch because he owns another team. Hey, Mitch, don't you go giving Lamar Jackson a guaranteed contract. Now, don't do it. Now we're colluding. Me, as an individual, if I'm an owner of tell me how to run my business? If I want to sign the guy, I'll sign the guy. Like, why am I going to listen well, to you? Because nobody in the league wants these contracts to be guaranteed. Well, go to so the, the Cleveland guy then. Well, Blame him. But see, that's the thing. It only takes one. It only takes there one. There is guy one to out do there. It. There's one out I'm there. I'm just saying, if I were an owner of an NFL team, right. I would not want to give out a fully guaranteed contract to a quarterback. If I'm Joe Burrow's, if I'm Joe Burrow's well, agent, give me a fully guaranteed contract, or I'm not playing with you. That's gonna now. That's gonna be the guy. Because who's he's the guy. It. That's gonna be the guy who's gonna. The, test he's it. the guy. When he asks for it, what are you going to do? Not give it to him? I want $60 million a year. I want it all guaranteed. I want $300 million. Right? That, like, 
Put it in. Yep. I guess you got to put it in escrow and stuff like that. Like, you, like you have to have the money and you have to put it out there. You have to be liquid enough to be able to put it all in escrow. So you have to have $250 million sitting there. You have to, you literally have to have it liquid cash, put it in an escrow fund. I've, so not everybody can do that. That's a problem for some of these teams too. Okay. You want a guaranteed contract? I can't give you one. I don't have that kind of money. I, I don't have the kind of money to be able to put $250 million and put it in okay. escrow and sell save your, it. Sell your yacht. Okay? <laughs> I don't know how much you think yachts cost. Oh, it's there are yachts that are cost that are cost $100 million. I'm sure there are, but not $250 okay, million. sell two of your yachts. Would you? I, I mean, look, I get it. There are certain quarterbacks that you want to win or consider. not? Well, is Lamar Jackson, though? He's one and three in the play. He's dynamic. He's, one of, he's, the he's, dyna- he's, he's a, a dynamic great quarterback, but is he the kind who is an absolute no-brainer? He gets a guaranteed contract no matter what. Guaranteed contract? I don't. I don't know. I mean, the, See, the market okay. is not set for guaranteed contracts. There you go. I don't think Lamar Jackson is the no-brainer. You got to give the guy a fully guaranteed contract. I don't think Deshaun Watson is either. For what it's worth, I think that conversation is limited to a very, very small. Has Lamar Jackson said I'm only signing for a guaranteed contract? No. I mean, it's, how, why, it's, why are we assuming that? It's believed that that's what's holding things up. And it's and I think okay, so. You I go to the, him. I, he's the agent. And listen, we're, we're willing to trade. We're willing to give you an offer. I mean, you can make you can make an offer to him if if, if you if you want him. Like you could do that. You can make an offer. Sure, you could. You could. You could sign him to it. He's got to sign the offer sheet. You got to make him an offer. He's got to sign it. Yeah. And then at that point, Baltimore has, he has a decision our offer. they have we'll to make. We'll give you 70% of the money guaranteed. Do you want to, if you don't sign the offer okay. sheet, then, but you could do it. Well, so why are these teams coming out saying, I don't want him? Oh, you're afraid of the guarantee. Okay. Well, don't, don't make an offer with guaranteed money of 100%. Make an offer with 60 to 70% of the money guaranteed, like most every other quarterback. And I think that's why people aren't making him the offer is because there's the assumption is that he's asking for that. And well, I'm not going to make you an offer if that's what you want. Well, don't you want to at least show your fan base that I'm w- we're willing to win? We're going after Lamar Jackson, and then that it's on him. We offered Lamar Jackson seventy percent of his money guaranteed. We'd offered him two hundred million dollars with hundred and forty million guaranteed, and he turned it down. Well, that's on him then. It's not on you. Agree. Because now all these five teams look stupid. You don't want Lamar Jackson? Why? Who's your quarterback? Who's your quarterback in Washington, in Carolina, in Atlanta? Well, you could sit there and say we don't have interest in Lamar Jackson. Why don't you have interest in Lamar Jackson? Your team suck. Your quarterbacks are no good, and he's really good. He's an MVP candidate. He's not the best quarterback in the league, but he's still really good. I guess it's on him to decide he'll take less than a guaranteed contract. But you just have to make the offer. Well, I, hey, We're offering you 200 and something million dollars, 70% of it's guaranteed. If you don't want to sign the offer sheet, don't sign it. I suppose teams could do that. Maybe they just decide it's not worth it for him. The, in that they know he is stuck on the idea of getting a guaranteed uh, contract. Could it be that they're worried that this guy's not going to last because he's going to break down? Well, there could be that, too, um, because he he's missed a lot of games the last couple of years. It's cost Baltimore playoff spots because he's missed a lot of He was great in, 99, or in, in 2019 when he won the MVP, but in the couple of years since, he's missed a lot of games. It's the guaranteed contract. That's what's holding this up. And I don't know. I don't know. Did you see who the odds-on favorite is to get him? Detroit. The Lions. Compare.bet.com said the Lions right now are the... But didn't Jared Goff do really well for them last year? They almost he, made the damn playoff. He did, but... Who I, did they beat the last game of the season the to Packers. almost get in? The Packers. The Packers. They beat the Packers last game of the season. And they almost made the playoff. if Seattle hadn't won. Yeah. Right. Seattle hadn't won earlier in the day. The Lions would have gotten that spot. They played their asses off. Yeah, it, I'm, they're the odds on. They are for not a lot by a ton, but they're the odds on favorite to get them. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, lots of news to pass along. March continues to get a little bit madder. Four o'clock reset is next on the Burns and Gambo show.